Welcome to the Mary's Mentors Podcast. My name is Mary Rose Swan. And I'm Mary Letitia Deal. And this is a podcast about business, life, human design, and whatever the fuck we want. (laughs) Well, hello, Mary. Uh, Happy post-Mercury retrograde. How are you doing? I'm doing much better now. (laughs) I feel all cleansed and energized and much better than I have. It has you. Yeah, I will say remarkably, I have seen a huge change in your aura over the last couple of days, just a lifting almost as though like somebody had put that little glass kind of encasement around you and you were just kind of like sitting under your own little rain cloud for a few weeks and now we've we've opened the cloche if you will yes ah well um we are currently taking a break this week from our human design centers series uh we've loved it we're we've got three more left to go and we are going to finish that series up but right now we had um wanted to kind of do an ice, not an icebreaker, but a palate cleansing episode. So this episode is going to be a little bit less focused on human design and, and just like centers specifically and more just around a couple of different topics. Um, but we always like to start with something that we've been listening to or reading. And so personally, I love to go first because I'm always, you know, reading and listening. I, I, Love this series of books called The Truly Devious Series by Maureen Johnson. I believe I've mentioned them in a previous podcast, but I found out recently that she had written a standalone book that uses the same characters, but it takes place at like a summer camp. And it's it's a mystery from 1978 that's the center of this, this book. And I just, I loved it. It was so good. It's called The Box, Box in the Woods, or not The Box, I think just Box in the Woods. Loved it. Five out of five stars, 10 out of 10 thumbs, all of the things. If you love a good little mystery, I'm such a voracious reader. It's so hard not to make them, to make them last. I made this one last a little longer than most. How long did it take you? Um, I think I let it go for about five days or so of reading, which for me, I could finish this book in a day. So I was really like limiting myself to three chapters a day. But then by the weekend, I was like, I just want to know. I just want to know. So I did do a really good job, though, of reading it very slowly and not skipping things. I'm also, that's probably why I'm such a fast reader, is that I can tell looking at a paragraph if the information is important enough to read it or not. And so I didn't try to do that so much. I really tried to be aware and read as many paragraphs as possible to make it last. I didn't realize that that's what speed readers did a lot of the time. Like, I didn't realize that until I was well into my 30s that I was like, maybe that's why I can't read fast because I have to take in every word. I mean, I I, I suppose at this age, I probably don't. But especially when I was younger, like I, I struggled with with reading, frankly. Um, and it's probably because I was dyslexic and never diagnosed, but. And that's, I think the visual piece of that is that, you know, I look at a block of text and I can pick out the words and it, when it's difficult with dyslexia to, to make those words, the shapes of them correlate, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where 
I think that that's obviously a, a big, a big significant difference. I, I, I've always been a really fast reader and I can read pretty well for comprehension. I mm-hmm. mean, I won't say I get everything. That's kind of where sometimes we don't get all of the information when you're a fast reader. And that's where it, I have to savor things a little bit. Like recently, a few books I've had to really savor because I, I wanted to absorb as much of them as possible. Nice. So what, what's what you've been what's been on your radar? Well, I've been listening to a ton of podcasts, most of them very dark. But the one that really stood out this week was um, my favorite murder uh, is taking a little hiatus, and so they are putting a new podcast on their network, and it's called the Parent or Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. And this particular opus episode was called Reparenting, and it was with Georgia Hardstark from My Favorite Murder, and it was so fabulous. Um, I I mean, I wasn't, I don't think I was five minutes into the episode when I am shooting it to Mary Rose saying, you've got to listen to this. I really, I really, and I didn't realize he had already had a podcast, so we can go back and listen to previous episodes as well. But now he's on the Exactly Right Network. And so I get most of those um, every week on my feed. So I listened to the episode because you had said, you know, this is. I think something that the you will enjoy and um, loved it. I actually, I, I let Mary know afterwards. I'm like, I cried a couple of times and I will say, you know, for me, I was a hardcore, my favorite murder listener for a long time. And I've seen them live several times. I've even, I had the chance to meet them both once and that was really cool. And then I kind of, of course, I do this with just about a lot of things. I get, I get engrossed and then you kind of step away. My kid does this too. And it's so frustrating seeing it as a parent. And then you realize you tend to do it as an adult. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd recently kind of Mary's like, well, I think you should listen. I think you might, you might really be kind of like surprised at some of the the changes that they've made. And, and I was like, okay, but this episode in particular, uh, I've never been a Georgia. And so when, when you listen to my favorite murder, you do kind of usually feel a little bit of um, leaning towards one host over the other as being kind of like your, your soulmate person. Like that's the person you align with the most. And I always liked Karen Moore. I always loved Karen Moore. Um, but Georgia, you know, that she was kind of an entity that, especially after I quit drinking, I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's, she sounds to me as though there's a lot of, of um, you know, joking about alcohol for me was kind of how I dealt with the fact that I was abusing alcohol personally. So I was kind of cognizant of that and maybe hyper aware, maybe a little overly sensitive to it. So this episode, when listening to her talk about, about um, her journey with trying to move away from alcohol, I just like gut punches. I was just, I, I wept twice thinking about just how difficult that is and how that's just such, such an interesting path to hear someone is going on after knowing that she's joked like I did. She joked in the same way that I did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I feel like listening to her go through this and the therapy that she's going through and the things that she's doing to, to better herself. I, I just, yes, it was very emotional and the reparenting piece um, that, that she's, I feel like everybody needs to do, which is reparent ourselves in the ways that we, our parents weren't capable of 
teaching us and taking care of us. And there's no blame to be laid, but it's still something that um, we can each do for ourselves. Absolutely. I think that what I kind of really reached a lot of clarity, especially in that was I loved, loved, loved hearing her talk about the relationship with her mother having changed because that was something that as a listener, you would hear a lot about. And I think we all could, we could all write books about our experiences with our mother. Like I could write a book, you could write a book. Georgia in fact did write a book and included pieces about her mother in the book. And um, to really see how much of, how much of ourselves we get to actually choose to, to step away from what maybe was the scenario of our upbringing and, and those decisions that we get to make as to whether we, we feel like, I don't know. I, I, and we also listened to this other great podcast and I was surprised to hear on, on the exactly right network that Danielle was moving home to her hometown. So for me, like there's so much within that of, you know, every part that we connect with ourselves back to when we were kids, like there are some people that I know don't want to go to their hometown ever again, if they could possibly help it. And it's just so interesting because so much of those feelings are because of the people, especially our parents and the things that we couldn't control as kids in those places. Yep. Yeah. I thought it was um, fun when she said, I don't have a problem moving back to my home time. I was a virgin when I left there. I was. I haven't, I haven't seen anyone pick <laughs> exactly. It's like yeah, when, you, when they're when, when everyone is a blank slate in terms of mm-hmm. not having seen anyone's dick. I think that that's a a great, a great, yeah, a great, a great starting point. <laughs> um, well, what I guess from the reparenting standpoint and with human design, that was what we we I was texting you about was thinking about. A lot of what Dr. Dan, um, which was Georgia's cousin and Georgia were talking about, which was um, a lot to do with the anxiety and depression, which is exactly what I'd kind of, I was tuning in from the perspective of when they talked about how many people are, are kind of going through these, these two main things, depression and anxiety. And my, my thought was, that stimulation has really become so overwhelming. Like our, our being stimulated by everything around us has become so overwhelming that our nervous systems are just constantly being assaulted. And I feel like anxiety especially is really tied to just, that's why they say when you go to the woods and you go camping and you disconnect, that's where relaxation comes from, is from the disconnection of all of those things that, that are giving us anxiety. And it's just like, how do we take a little piece of the camping with us into everyday life? Because we should be attributing a lot of our anxiety to the stimulation that we're, that we're surrounding ourselves with. Um, I think one of the things that is really, and I've noticed, especially in the last couple of weeks when I haven't been able to do it on a regular basis is the grounding walks that I take, the walks with my dog. And sometimes I don't unplug, but the last two walks, because they're so sparse in the last couple of weeks, the last two walks that I've taken, I've actually left my phone at home and left a note for my significant other to say, this is where I'm going to be walking. Here's when I should be back. Yeah. Um, 
And I've just completely disconnected from, so that I could take in the, the trees and the beauty around me. Um, and I've been walking for about 45 to 50 minutes just because again, so sparse, I'm not being able to do it every day, but taking in that, the, the energy of the trees and the green that we have, there's so much beauty right now <clears throat> with the summer making everything so lush and green. And, and it's so cool. Like today, because it's so cool. Normally, you know, we've had some over hundred degree temperatures already this summer, but this weekend has been just a really lovely break from unbearable heat today. It's, it's very nice and, and cool. So I feel like that's, you know, there's a lot to be grateful for now that we've really come through what felt like a very difficult period. Um, and I think that we, when we were talking about reparenting, and I, I was really thinking kind of just of, of how we talked about the teenage voice that um, I've talked about this, I think probably on our podcast before, and I'm just like, I don't go back and re-listen to our podcast, but I believe that we mentioned the teenage voice previously or in our boot camp. So if you yeah. were in our boot camp, we talked about it but that the voice inside of our head that says things about how we look or what other people think about us is usually like a teenage voice. And now as an adult, and I loved the, and that's what I think what I was crying about is Georgia talking about like telling 13 year old version of herself, like you are going to lose your mind when you realize like what is ahead of you you will you can't even imagine like it's so awe-inspiring and so incredible and I was like oh because I was thinking yes if I had told myself what I'd be doing at 40 years old I don't think and when I think about it I'm like what am I doing at 40 years old <laughs> you're uh, inspiring people and you are every yeah, I know exactly <laughs> I'm like I I could I could I know what I'm doing it's just like it's a dream life that I really couldn't have imagined, especially like the dream life of being at home and being around my family five days a week or seven days a week. I know that sounds some like it's some people's nightmares, but for me, it's really just been, um, I don't know, very cathartic and, and really like it feels, it feels right. I feel like that's kind of the thing is that for so long, I thought it was so important to be a working mom because working, being a working mom really meant I was contributing to my household. I was an equal partner. And what I'm kind of finding now what's really cool is that I don't have to contribute the same way and still feel like I'm an equal partner. That is, that is the process of deconditioning myself out of thinking that if I'm not pulling in $23,000 a year, which is really about what I made when I was working full time, I wasn't making 50,000 or $60,000 a year. And so even that I'm still like saying I was, I wasn't even worth, I, I was worth so much more than what I was mm -hmm. making. And now, even if I'm making $0, I still feel so much more worth what I'd be making. I'd rather make $0 than the fucking pittance of, of 23, you know, that's and kind of a month that you've made $0. There really hasn't been. No. And that's the funny thing that's is like, the other thing is that the, the energy being right and you contributing energetically 
to your household in a different way has provided for you over and over and over. And the abundance continues to happen. So it is an energy balance where you were putting your energy outward before to bring in this financial. This finite amount. It was, it was now you can put all your energy inward and the abundance is still happening. I mean, an infinite amount of possibility is there versus the finite possibility of only being worth as much as this employer was willing to pay me. And, and granted, I think that this is like the hardest part about the shift is like, how many people are supposed to feel this way? Like, shouldn't it be everybody? Yeah. And then feeling like, you know, is everyone supposed to be, is, are we supposed to all be working for other people? And that's kind of like, I will say energetically, what you're doing within your business is probably a significant shift is Mm -hmm. because it's taking it out of the hands of you as the employer establishing their worth and the amount of work they provide establishing their salaries it's it's different the energetic the energy is different and 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 it's either they love it or they don't and the ones that don't have shut it off and the ones that do we're bringing those in and Mm -hmm. i feel like that the energy is different they know their value and they can see it in every single ride that they take now i had one of them say man i view those vouchers differently because vouchers to them used to mean i don't make any tips now a voucher to them means, should I make 40% of that? Cool. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Fill my car up. Let's go. <laughs> Give me vouchers yep. all day. Um, so it really does mean it, it's shifted the way that they're thinking about every single thing that they're doing out there. And I love it so far. So I yeah. think that's awesome. And those are those things that sometimes we take for granted. I mean, I'm, I'm the queen of taking things for granted. As Mary points out, every time I have any question about my value or what I bring to the table, she is quick to tell me, oh, let's be real here. You are doing far more than you even give yourself credit for. But that's what it is, is like, it's still the conditioning of feeling like if it's not a struggle, it's that it's that, you know, that there has to be struggle. And it's harder to witness struggle now knowing that I'm like, I wish that I could make everybody's life easier. I just wish that I could make everybody's life easier. Well, and so good. And you are, as you build your community, as your community grows, those people's lives are easier. You're easily providing so many women with a safe place to come work out, come be supported, come talk about their lives and their problems and their celebrate their happinesses. And I feel like that is like you do. And we just need to broaden that, like bring more people into our community so that you can make people's lives easier. I mean, who said that to me? And I was really, really, Oh, it was Emily. She goes that Mary Rose I love every single one of her shake ideas. I love every single one of her meal prep and her, her recipes are good mom. And I was like, yeah, I just didn't know she was watching. You know what I mean? I didn't have any idea that she was paying any attention. She's 18 years old. She's a little brat, a manifesting (laughs) generator brat. What's the funny shit? Like her, she, I should probably tell her that when she posted like some kind of, tribute to biscuits and gravy. I'm like, 
I've got sausage in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like, I forgot about biscuits and gravy. And she's like, it's the real MVP. And I'm like, no, she's absolutely right. It was just somebody else's post. But I was like, thank you, Emily, for sharing that. <laughs> is the real MVP. She is hilarious online, though. She really does poke her personality in and out just right. Just right. Just she's got some bangers. I think my daughter hates it when I use words like that. She's like, I've never used that word. So now I use words that are considered chuggy. So when you're chuggy, you are using things that are just slightly outdated. Um, and so it's, it's kind of like you're you're trying too hard to be hip and you're using things that are a little outdated. So I feel like that's me. And I just... I told her that I'm like, I'm an awkward turtle, which is another way outdated now. Oh, I love it. But um, so I guess from when you were thinking and listening to this episode about the reparenting, I guess what was one of the big, because I was doing, of course, a lot of self-reflecting on my own parents and my own lessons and maybe even just my own mom specifically, but like, what were some of the things that maybe came up for you that you Well, you, you started it and that's that little voice, like the, the things that you say to yourself that you would never say to little, little you, like, I would never say some of the things even to this day. And I know it's part of conditioning, but like when I do something and it has to be redone, like I berate myself to this day, I have to take a step back and go, dude, you did that in the middle of four other things. Calm down. Like. But, but the, the voice, that mean teenage voice, like you said, and, and I wonder where it comes from um, mentally. I, I love that Georgia named hers. Did you hear? Like, it was a girl that bullied her. She put a face on it and uh, told her. <laughs> um, and I don't remember that. Like, I don't remember anyone particularly bullying me. Um, And I was around adults a lot as a child. So I guess I just don't, I I really was thinking, where did this toxic voice come from? Like, that's what what I was analyzing during this episode is like, I say the meanest shit to myself. And Josh catches me on it because when I'll say it to him just in the fly sometimes, and he'll be like, I did not say that. And I'm like, oh shit, no, you didn't. (laughs) I did. I said that. And that's how I feel when I, when I fail at something. And uh, so just wondering where that comes from. I think, and that's so interesting because because we know so much about the human design piece too, is like that, that, uh, that questioning piece. I wonder if, because you have that undefined heart center and I have a definition in my heart center, I believe, right? Or because you're an undefined heart. Um, and it's, it's to do with that is being our, our self-worth. And some people just inherently have a high connection to their self-worth. Like my voice, I don't think I've really ever had that same voice in the same way of being really hard on myself. In some ways, that voice has almost been enabling that almost fixed mindset of you're already good at that thing. So you don't need to get better at that thing. <laughs> it's very weird in that, that opposite reflection um of having that high sense of self-worth it's such a weird thing like I feel like this is I feel like I'm minority because I haven't had that same 
situation, but my voice has always been more so like talking myself into doing it, be, taking the easy way out or the, the, like always talking myself into taking the easy way out is kind of what my voice has done is it's not really going to matter. Like that's very much so more the voice that I've had is it's not really going to matter. So why do it anyway? It's not so much like you fucked up or anything because I forgive myself a lot of my fuck ups. Um, maybe because I didn't have anyone to remind me of how much I fucked up. And now I get like the embarrassing stories are the ones that I won't ever outgrow, but um, maybe it's just in all the different ways that our parents talk to us too. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah, think I was thinking like, about that. Like, my, my grandmother was always such good, positive self-talk to everyone except for herself. And we see that. Even mm-hmm. though we see what they're giving to other people, we Correct. see it themselves. And I was just talking about this with my girls in the gym this morning, is that idea of the do as I say, not as I do, mm-hmm. is a hard fucking concept to give to kids it's not a concept like it's, not it's a concept. impossible because they're gonna watch you do whatever exactly. you like it is so confusing that's what it is it's a confusing mechanism to say i want i expect this out of you but yeah. i will not do it or i expect you not to do something that i do it's very very like i feel that that is the one of the most complex issues within parenting and the expectations that we put around our children's behavior is the things that we, we expect them not to do. And maybe it's obviously changing what we expect them to do um, to match the mistakes they need to make. I always want my kids to avoid, like, I think that's the biggest thing parents want is that kids shouldn't have to make the same mistakes their parents did. And unfortunately we don't get to dictate. No, because our brains aren't developed enough at that age, yeah, it's impossible not to allow them to make mistakes. And it's very frustrating to have to watch. It's very frustrating to have to deal with and go through with them um, from the time they're little until they're adults. And even probably beyond. I'm sure that my mother feels that way about me and watching me in adulthood make a mistake or two that she uh, warned me about, I'm sure, because she was very open about talking to me about things. Um, but it, it's how our brains function. It's how we actually grow is to make mistakes and learn from them. And it's so interesting, the perspective we have differently as parents than we did as children. And I love to color this with the illustration of, I love this podcast. I know I've mentioned how did this get made on this podcast before. And they, you can't find this without becoming a Stitcher premium member, but they have an episode where they had done drop dead Fred. They were, they talked about this movie. And if you know, drop dead Fred and you know, the basic storyline and you haven't watched it since you're a child, I would recommend not rewatching it (laughs) because it will not, it did not age well. And you will not have the same feelings about it in adulthood. I feel like this is a lot of movies we watched as children that don't didn't translate into adulthood the same way. I like The Sandlot, but even even now, the Wendy Peppercorn uh, pool scene is painted differently in the lens of 2021. Yes. Um, 
And what if I had been a, a little girl who hadn't been a little girl who thought those little boys were cute, I'd be like, that's assault. Um, <laughs> so, but within the scope of uh, Drop Dead Fred, one of the things I loved about this episode is that there were people that, that were still Team Fred, and then there were some people that were Team Mom, Phoebe Kate's mom in the movie, and I... I found myself compelled to really be team mom because even though she was a mega beast, there were legitimate points made as to why what? everything about Fred and some of the other behaviors were problematic. It just, it made me really think about how, what we like watching a movie as a child, watching it in adulthood, how everything changes, but like on steroids, that is really what parenting is for your for your kids is like everything that happened differently when you were a kid, you try to navigate as an adult. And it's just it's such a different world now. It's such a different world. Yes. It is a different world. There would not be a drop dead like that made now. Never. Never. Like how it got made as a, as a, like how it even became a children's movie at the time. The 80s were a real weird time. A Boggles, real weird time. Yeah, the early 90s was really like just a playground of, of, of erotic, like erotic thrillers, which I'll say it with my Australian accent because I love my podcast that always talks about erotic thrillers. And then um, shit like Drop Shed, Drops Dead Fred. Um, but I did this with Mermaids. I've done this with pretty much all of those movies that I was like, I was one of the characters in Mermaids when I watched it as a teenager, and now I'm the mom in Mermaids. <laughs> I, my so-called life. Do you remember my so-called life? Jordan Pavlano, everybody does. If you're our age, you remember my so-called life. And I, I rewatched it. And again, don't watch these things if you don't want to have all the... Even as a teenager, I thought he was a dick. Well, he was a dick. He was, and, and I was, yeah, just that. That he was just mean, and I, I know that as an adult, I'd be like, yeah, it'd be Patty Chase, Patty mm -hmm. Chase, the mother, so underrated, and that's where I was like, damn it, Patty Chase was cool as hell. And I will, I will die on this hill. If I was going to be anyone's mom, I'd want to be the Patty Chase because she was really, she had her shit together. She wanted to keep her, her sex life spicy with Graham. She had this like daughter who barely tolerated her and another daughter who was like pretty cute. Danielle was pretty cute. Mm -hmm. Anyway, my so-called life, I stand for my so-called life. I stand for <laughs> Patty Chase. I'm using yeah. stand, so I know what that means, and I don't, but I hear I hear it used in this reference, and I <laughs> it correctly. Um, well, I have to say, it, it is funny that we, we, we roll, we grow into that role of the mom, like we definitely do as we've raised some kids. Um, and even in my early 20s, when my kids were little, I still related to the teenage portion of those, but mostly because I was basically a teenager still. Um, <laughs> But yeah, as, we, as we, we grow and learn, we're like, oh, I wish, I wish as much as I, as much as I taught my girls about sex and about alcohol and about drugs, I still get to watch them go through stupidity and hope that they don't kill you in the process. Hope that they don't kill me themselves or someone else in the process. Exactly. Like there, it, there's so many elements to it. And 
I mean, all we can do is continue to be open and be loving and still tell them when they're fucking stupid, because sometimes Mm -hmm. that's what it comes down to is like, you're being stupid. I hope you don't expect anything else of me because I've never like, you're an adult now. And I can tell you that you're being stupid and you know that you are. So you can change the way that you act and I mean, or continue to be stupid. I, I, I just sometimes I, as, as a parent of adults, now I feel a little bit like throwing my hands in the air and being like, I can put this out here. Like, I'm going to put this out here for you. You're going to know that you can always call me, but you're always going to get the real me. Yep. And living and the, I feel like that's kind of the thing is like the integrity with which we live translates through. And I think that that's also like when we are you know, I've, I talk about the four agreements, like I've read it, haven't, don't, will not probably read it, but like being impeccable with your word and really being there for your kids and really standing by that. I really feel like that's kind of the thing is like, there's really nothing, there's nothing that my kids can do in this world that I will not be there for them. I don't, I mean, literally my child will be a, if my child was a serial killer, they will have a mom who will question every decision that she made that led them to that point as though it's my fault but I will still be the one that will be there for my children. I mean, it's just the way that that is. Yeah. Uh, I cannot imagine even with depravity in, in their soul. I mean, there's things that I can imagine people do that I guess I would find un- unforgivable that I just don't think I could ever turn off being their mom. You're never going to turn off being their mom. No, not at all. I've, I've always... I've always been real with my children. And I guess, you know, going back around, circling back around to they watch what you do, not what you say. I mean, the fact that that my daughters, my children witnessed me drive intoxicated more than once. Um, not with them in the car necessarily, but me coming oh home, after, you know, happy hour, four nights a week. Um, after having too many beers and then turn around and expect them not to drive drunk is kind of a black. Like, I I mean, there's so many things like, yes, I don't do that now. I would, I, I haven't drove intoxicated and I don't even know how long, but again, the expectation of them doing what I say and not what I've done and not what they've witnessed me do is, 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 just stupid like it, I mean it, it's so and it's so easy to say and see now so not possible for me to see then well it's like that's why they say hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean if Isn't we could see, if we could see forward think of how many people wouldn't get behind the wheel drunk if they could see that they were going to hurt someone mm-hmm. and I feel like that was one of the things that we've talked about before is like especially with an alcohol is like your kids can be, can say, and I can say, and you can say, we will, we would never do that. And then this one substance really removes all of those convictions that we have, kinds of person that we are. And I feel like it is, it's, it's, it's dissolution. When we, when we talk about like how alcohol will dis, you know, like really you use it to clean things off, like rubbing alcohol cleans sticky shit off. It dissolves it. It dissolves connections to reality. It dissolves our resolve. Like it's a, it's, it's a dissolution. So 
And that's, I think one of the things is I don't know what to expect from my kids when it, and I don't have expectations because I think they've seen enough of me when I was drinking and when I'm not drinking for me to know that that road is going to be theirs to walk. And it's going to be hard to watch either of them walk the same path or any of those steps. But I, I have to be really real with myself that they I can't really expect that they won't want to try or do any of the things that they will be driven to do. That even counts with religion. I know, <laughs> right? Alcohol. Let's talk about the real killer <laughs> organized <laughs> religion. Just <laughs> that's my deal breaker right there. <laughs> then you will start disowning children. No. <laughs> You don't come home a Scientologist, y'all. That's that's where mommy's checking out because I don't know. Can we talk about Scientology on this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> We're both like looking at each other through the, the I have no through idea. Phone. I don't know. Uh, no, we both have no idea. Scratch that from the record. Er, the record. That is the other day. Gosh, I was listening to a podcast and now I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about the GOP doing something or another. And then they were like, the GOP is a death cult. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, really, we, I don't know. We already <laughs> that pretty much any uh, political party, I mean, corporations are a death cult at this point. God. So, oh, and I was going to say before we head off today, we did want to mention that we do have um, a Facebook page and an Instagram, and we uh, also can be reached by email. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Please also rate, review, subscribe. I'm not so good at saying all of those things. I usually leave that to Mary, but I thought I'd do it today. And um, yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback on the reviews. And if you, I mean, we've also, I love it when people shout out people that give reviews. So if you want to get a shout out, leave us a review and we'll shout you out like big time. <laughs> uh, anything you want to finish up with today, Mary? Well, just that uh, I hope you guys come back and join us for some human design in the next couple weeks. Uh, we're going to finish out our series on those centers. So excited to, to finish that up and teach everybody a little bit more about human design. Yeah. These three, the, the next three are very juicy. So mm -hmm. we will be talking a lot. I don't know. Maybe we might have some two parters in there because maybe. damn, We've got a big one coming up. So very excited to, to get on with that series. And in the meantime, we hope you have a wonderful day. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Bye.